Soul of Detroit in color. Starring M.L. Elric. Also starring Sean Windsor. And Mark Fellhauer as Abraham Lincoln. Tonight's special guest star, William Conrad. Tonight's episode, Dead Men Don't Laugh. You ass in a rod, you're trying to get my It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Al? Hey, kids, it's your old pal, M.L. Elric, taking a break from my protest march for justice. I have marched in Detroit. I have marched in Macomb County. And really... What's left after that? In fact, after seeing Hall Road, how could anyone even be content with Paris? We had a great show planned for you today. It kind of fell apart, so it's going to be the regular shit. My apologies in advance. Making the best of a bad situation is Mr. Mark Fellhauer. Hello. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Matt Jennings. Hello. And just not giving enough of a damn to try is Sean Windsor. <laughs> Okay. See, no, 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 not even a retort from Sean. It's, uh, no, no, just, your little curlicue is distracting me. But uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah. By go the way, um, even before there was social distancing, there were restraining orders. So, Sean, if you could still stay a hundred feet away from me, I would appreciate that. I don't and, want to disappoint and, Teresa. And so would the criminal justice system. Um, yeah, I think she said you could get within four inches of her, of her before she'd be in danger. So. Uh, and that's assuming that um, there's a good breeze, a blue pill, and maybe Coffee Brown is playing on a CD player somewhere. Um, <laughs> any other any other Pam Greer fans out there? <laughs> Gotta love Pam Greer. They can't just be Quentin Tarantino and me, right? Okay, I guess it no, is. It, it, right. it is Sorry just about you that. Too, yeah. Now we know who brought the soul to the show. Um, we also have a special guest, uh, my fellow uh, marcher and a guy who knows more about where to eat and drink, which for a little while was at home, but that's changing. So Mark Kurlianchik is going to join us, uh, the pride of Lithuania, Wayne State University, and the Detroit Free Press. So Mark, thanks for putting up with this for a little while longer. Yeah, no problem. It's entertaining. And we are brought to you on Facebook Live by, uh, see Mark, we're going to have to Mark is a good guest because he's not like, yeah, uh, folks, it's only going to get worse. I know what's coming. But thank you very much, Mark. You are a scholar and a gentleman and a warrior and a walker. Um, we are coming to you live on Facebook. I want to apologize. Last week, we had some technical difficulties, which cut off our Facebook Live uh, in the middle of our conversation with Mandy Wright. But uh, if you missed that show, you can catch up with Adventures with Mandy. Uh, such a wonderful person. She inspired a song. Uh, she inspired Barry Manilow <laughs> to uh, to memorialize her her wonders in song. He does write the songs and some, I think, a jingle for Dr. Pepper. You can find that uh, on all the podcasting platforms or at our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com. Facebook Live is a great way to, to watch the show. We really appreciate it. But remember, you're only getting part of the show. You're not getting Room 7609. You're not getting listener feedback. And you're not getting whatever crap we jam into the, the back 
end of the show. Sometimes uh, we do save the best for last. In our business, it's called a kicker, but uh, in your business, it may just be called um, uh, one too many at the bar. But anyway, sometimes it works out well. So we appreciate if you watch us on Facebook and download the podcast and listen to it in its entirety. And our our ability to come to you on Facebook is largely due to Lindsay Broadwell, who is a fantastic realtor and our sponsor. If, if you have been locked in your house for too long, which describes many of us now, it's time to call Lindsay Broadwell. When it's time to move into a new house, whether you're buying, selling, or both, you need to contact, wait for it, Sean, who? 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 Lindsay Broadwell. Thank you. Uh, your house is one Sean's of your most investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust and that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay got her start at Hall Financial. Now she's an expert in real estate. She'll make sure you get the most out of your house and everything goes smoothly by finding a new home that fits your lifestyle. If you're a buyer, if you're a seller, especially a first-time buyer, make sure you contact Lindsay at broadwellhomes.com or 248-767-7767. She's a licensed realtor at REMAX Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com, 248-767-7767. And when you're looking at that sweet new crib, you're going to need to finance it. So may I recommend... David Hall and Hall Financial. They're working from home, but they're working harder than ever. In fact, they say they're working around the clock to help people save money by refinancing. I'm pretty much working around the clock, so I should probably knock on their homes and say, are you guys working in there? Or as all my uh, dad's old cop friends would say, uh, working hard or hardly working. Then they'd laugh and they'd all laugh. And then the next day they'd come in and they'd say, hey, you you working hard or hardly working. And then they'd laugh and then they'd all laugh. So I'm familiar with police and justice and the torture that they have put on a beleaguered community. At any rate, David Hall doesn't necessarily endorse those kind of jokes, but it's a great time to look at your options and why many people are financing right now. If you haven't refinanced in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help. There are lower monthly payments in your future if you sign up with Mr. Hall, and you get to keep some extra money in your pocket without finding it somewhere else. You just get a better deal on your loans, and you save the savings. You save the difference. So if you refinance now, you can also maybe skip a couple payments because of the time it takes to transfer one to the other. It's very complicated, but not for them. So give them a call. That's Hall Financial. There's a link to their, their site on our website. Go to mlsolvedetroit.com, hit the Hall Financial logo, or give them a call at 248-308-5000. Ask for my man, Dan Morrison, 248-308-5000. Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attentions, NMLS, one four six seven four three fiver. So, David <laughs> and Lindsay, thank you so much for keeping us on the air because uh, we don't want to do this for free. Although we're willing to to help everybody get through the pandemic. Which is it still going yes. on? Yeah, I mean, Mayor what? Duggan said the other day that testing at the city site shows an infection rate about one to two percent. So that's pretty dramatic drop from when we were in the six to eight percent. So I don't know whether folks have gotten sick and gotten better or whether this thing seems to be fading. But uh, my personal advice to you is pretend that it's right around the door, wear your damn mask, wash your hands. Don't be like that guy at the protest last night who was standing up on a stone fence without a mask and then sneezing on people below him. He got some nasty looks from some old ladies standing under him because certainly not only are they the most vulnerable people, but, uh, you know, I may put some stuff in my hair, but it ain't snot. Ugh. So, my man, you know who you are, or maybe you don't. 
Um, wearing a busted ass trucker hat, um, some goofball glasses, look like some, some sort of, uh, you look like uh, the guy Judah Freelander from yeah. um, Thirty Rock. <laughs> you, my friend, get some puffs and be nice to yourself. Hey, get some puffs. So you've been down at the protest a lot. I'm looking at some of your pictures and videos. Um, what percentage of people are wearing masks now? I think it's a pretty high percentage. You do see some folks who, um, when when they uh, you know aren't close to anybody else, when they get ready to speak, they'll take their mask down. But for the most part. People are social distancing's out the window, so sure. don't even bother with that. Sure. But uh, the first mention I even heard of social distancing was last night when um, uh, Nakia Renee Wallace, who's one of the leaders, told uh, people not to crowd up to the uh, speaker because some elders were going to speak and and they're at risk of uh, of uh, infection. So that was the first time we actually heard somebody talking about about uh, COVID prevention. But uh, so the masks what, are there. So People are pretty good. Where are we at uh, with the protest? I know that sounds like a really kind of ridiculous question. Are they still as strong uh, yesterday as they were day one, two, three, four? Um, uh, how do you feel about that? Or what, what's your take from being on the street? I think the numbers are still pretty strong. Although at the very end of yesterday's gathering, um, Nakia uh, Renee did say that she basically told other people who are holding marches, like, don't try and get in on our act. You know, don't try. And it's not an act. It's, it's a sincere movement. But don't try and, and steal our followers because we're a movement. We're strong. We're united. And uh, if you're late to the game, you know, you're late. You're too late. What Forget do, about what it. Do, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. So initially, uh, who, the who's first. Trying, uh, who's trying to do that? Well, um, there are some what you'd consider to be more established activists who had their own march at three o'clock last week on, I think it was maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and these are people who had not been holding marches, who you might have expected to. These would be church leaders, community leaders, NAACP. Um, they didn't have anything like this, prop Probably because of coronavirus concerns. Oh, it looks like there's a march in my house. <laughs> so you're talking about the the establishment, I guess. Right, and so uh, and so they were very critical of these marchers for not being organized, for not having marshals to try and identify. Could this be evidence just- if I killed this dog? Could this be used against me? <laughs> well, it sounds hey, like your dog is just as bored as I am. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, I was calling to you. Well, who did you think I was talking to? Um, but uh, he knows his master's voice. But uh, at, at any rate, uh, they were saying that you should have marshals to try and weed out identi- uh, troublemakers and just try and make sure the march stays on point and on message. And since then, we've seen marches in, uh, in Macomb County, yeah. in Gross Point, in Troy. Well-trained dog. What a well-trained dog. Sean, is that you? I'm just to be hey, can you play? Be, hey, Mark, uh, why don't you tell him about Tristan? I'm going to go snap somebody's neck. Sean, why do you say you're bored? You don't care about the marches? No, of course I care. I just, you know, I was, you know, you know how he goes. He goes and he goes and he goes. And the point is there eventually. So I don't know. I, I was watching my ceiling fan, actually. He's had, he's had a rough day. Distracted. I don't think he What's wants that? to get into it. Now, ML's had a rough day. He's been all over the place running around, canceling appointment. He never has, that man never has enough time. A lot of time on his, uh, 
hair this morning, I guess. You know, maybe he should cut back on that. Steve said the next Freep headline will be Man Bites Dog. Oh, actually, speaking of That's time, let me move my microphone. <laughs> right here, oh, you I can see, see. Yeah. The our awesome new Soul of Detroit clock. So yeah. you can go order one of those at drewandmikestore.com along with uh, our new hats, hockey jerseys on sale, Kwame suits, all that other good stuff. But oh. actually... The Mark I was uh, I was referring to is is Mark Kurlianchik, who uh, has gotten to know uh, Nikia Renee's uncle, Tristan, who really sort of rose up from the crowd to become a leader of these marches after the first one was sort of chaotic. Um, and then the city devolved into chaos. And uh, Mark, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. And it's good to see that you're looking very refreshed after our many days in the uh, in the fetid heat walking up and down all through the town. Hey, it's nice to finally get a word in. <laughs> welcome, welcome to my world, Mr. K. Yeah, take it easy, Sean. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. I mean, man, that was, uh, I think, two days over, I've covered three of the marches, and over two of those days, it was like a 20-mile march, and I had, you know, I had a video camera for at least the last day, so I'm marching backwards, you know, so 11 miles marching backwards in the 90-degree heat was, uh, was something. Can I ask uh, a weird question? So you're officially the restaurant critic and dining reporter for Freep. Yeah. Why are you covering uh, the protests? Is that just a lack of resources, or is it all hands on deck? This is the biggest story. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 both. Obviously, you know, we we are on running furloughs, so at any given any given week, twenty five percent of the free press is out on furlough. Um, so yeah, it's all hands on deck and limited resource. And I have some experience in covering this stuff. I mean, before I you know, was able to kind of fully dedicate myself to food reporting. I, I did cover some protests of the Tamir Rice killings um, okay. down in Cleveland back wow. five, what is that, five years ago now. Um, so not my, not my first, uh, not my first protest. How, how have these differed from uh, like the Tamir Rice protests? Because they're very different, I would think, based demographically, ethnic, ethnic, ethnically. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was down there, it was, um, the, the case was being, it was a year after Tamir's death, actually. And so okay. it, there were more rallies kind of on the front steps of the prosecutor's office, um, ca- you know, calling for justice. Those were overwhelmingly um, black activists and Black Lives Matters um, were there. This, you know, the protests um, that I've seen, that I've covered in Detroit has been kind of a larger coalition of, of races, um, you know, certainly led by, by black Detroiters. Uh, but there are folks of all of all different skin colors coming down and and, uh, and showing their support. Has there been any talk at the free press about stopping the furloughs so more people can cover this story? Well, it's not a free press issue. This is Gannett. You know, Gannett, the, okay. Gannett is the is the is the. Um, well, they own. It's company wide. They have they have papers in other cities too. I think that would might want more reporters not furloughed covering such a big story. You would think, right? But you know, I think I think what we've seen in the last few months, even before the protests started, is that our business model is fundamentally broken in terms of like, you know, the the coverage and the the demand for our coverage, the amount of visitors we're getting to our pages is you know historic numbers. I mean, we're we're breaking all kinds of traffic records at the same time. You know, the advertising has completely fallen out, and and yeah. you know we can't we can't afford to to pay our staffers, and that's 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 company wide. You know what I mean? Um, so. All yeah, it's, re- it's really it's really industry wide. I mean, we've seen industry wide. Uh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Th- there are some other papers that are um, are pulling people back in from furlough. Uh, my wife was pulled in from her furlough to help out on the Kwame Kilpatrick uh, hoax. 
that he would be released. But I mean, you know, the, the free press has committed considerable resources. You don't want to know what my overtime bill looks like. And I'll tell you, I, I hired on to do a part-time job. I've been full-time since just about my third week there hmm. from coronavirus to Kilpatrick's release to the protests. So, I mean, we're, we're fully engaged and, and we're doing stuff. It's amazing. There's as much or more news than ever. And, and there's fewer of us than ever, but we're covering it in more ways. I mean, Mandy Wright on Facebook live, she has 80,000 people watching wow. uh, when those, those broadcasts are going on, or at least 80,000 people are, you know, are uh, whatever, Mark Mother Scratcherberg would say it is the, the guy who who won't let us post our homepage on his thing, but he'll continue to take uh, money from uh, Russian trolls, allow people to publish uh, uh, obvious lies on his website. But anyways, we really appreciate Facebook Live and our partnership with them. Uh, uh, next up, I think they're going to come up with a poison that kills everybody. So thanks, uh, Facebook. <laughs> but uh, and you can like us on Facebook at ML No Periods Elric. Uh, <laughs> any more uh, any more tangents? By the way, I think that's a record, Mark Fellhauer for Mike. We're ten minutes in, and we—that's the first Kilpatrick reference we've heard. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, you know the reason why Mark Kurlianchik is involved is some of our most valuable staff members have been pulled off their beat to help with the protest coverage. You won't see Sean Windsor's byline in there. Oh, 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 really? Oh. You're right. I haven't written about uh, oh, any of this in the last shot. couple of weeks. Yeah. Here's Sean's protest. I mean, I got you on my couch. I'm fixing to throw something at y'all. Mm. Oh, thanks for reading, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I like your I like your count. They're very easy reading. I think it says from three to seven on top of each one of them. And that thing oh, about I, I got to tell you, it. why the hell did Jack and Jill go up that hill anyways? <laughs> do that for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right it's to your a audience. Damn pail of water. Look, I could throw around phrases like "fetid heat," which makes no sense, whatever. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, usually, usually when you use that that phrase, you're describing your underwear. But Mark Kurlianchik is here to talk about the protests. Or, or um, you could just, or you get to say that the people are stinky and you're you're above them, and uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. But go ahead. Am I here to talk about the protests? I thought I was here to just watch you two bigger. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, no, I want to hear him talk about food at some point. Well, we are. We're gonna hear. We're gonna hear about Mark's uh, regular gig and how he got it, and and what we can expect to see under his byline. But, but, but Mark um, got to know um, Tristan pretty well. And Mark, can you talk about the process? To uh, first of all, uh, I don't know if I want to say get his confidence because I'm not sure whether we do have that or not. But, but to you know, just, just to get him to answer some questions, this was not like, hey, dude, what's going on? You're leading some protests. Uh, I got some questions for you. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I got to know him pretty well, but I have gotten to, to speak with him. And I did do, you know, at least one kind of at-length interview with him um, for the paper. And, you know, it just started with I, I was thrown in on this coverage on, um, on Sunday of last week. Last, not this past Sunday, but a week and a half ago now. And, you know, I noticed who was speaking because I was doing the Facebook Live and I saw that it was Tristan. And it was just kind of the you know an instinct to say, well, who is this guy? What's he about? Where's he from? And so immediately that night, I, I reached out and said, you know, hey, you know, let's talk. Um, you know, and I, you know, he he I think was um, cautious about who he's who he's talking to. Um, but I, you know, he I just sent him a few stories of some other activists that I've covered because actually in the in the food world, if you if you don't pay super close attention to it, you might not notice, but there are there's been a lot of activists, and particularly activism around. Uh, racial inequities in in restaurants, what chefs get attention, et cetera. 
Um, and so I've done some coverage of activists in the, in the restaurant world over the last few years for the free press. And so I sent him a few of those articles and, and he said, all right, let's talk tomorrow. And so we had, you know, um, a, a long conversation um, right before, you know, in the middle of him basically like waking up and, and going to the next protest. Cause for him, it seemed to be pretty nonstop for, for a few days. And, you know, he's a, he's someone who is known in the community. Um, you know, I think that, that group gets a little bit of flack for being new. Um, but, but Tristan's been an organizer for, you know, almost 20 years, uh, in, in Detroit first with by any means necessary, which is one of the groups that you see out there almost every day with one of those big George Floyd banners. Um, but he's also been involved in the uh, Charlevoix Village Association, which um, mm. our colleague John Carlisle just wrote a very long um, kind of profile of that activist group. Uh, it's a neighborhood association, but they're highly active um, out on the east side. And uh, and he's also, before the protests actually started, he had co-founded a group called Detroit Renter City, which was uh, basically um, you know trying to help spread affordable housing to protest the the mass evictions that are going to be coming down the pike once this uh, moratorium is lifted. So, so this guy to me had a, had a history of organizing and the way that, um, you know, Monday night with, with Tristan, not there that uh, Stefan Perez um, came in and, and, you know, that was a 16 year old kid. And I saw the way that we had covered it. Somebody who mm-hmm. just kind of showed up versus this guy who's been organized for 20 years. And I just want to make sure that Tristan's uh, you know, Tristan's, story was heard and, and um, that basically led to just me being there on the front line the next two days and I was taking more photographic kind of doing photographic reporting so with with my still camera and then the next day I did a shot a little stuff with a documentary video camera and what is what does Tristan do during the day is there what does he do to keep from getting evicted himself yeah he's so Tristan's actually for the last uh, four or five years he's actually a barista at Avalon International Breads um, the one in the one in Midtown, the old Cass Corridor, uh, and so everyone there, you know, that's kind of Avalon is known for their activism and promoting activism. So Jackie Victor, one of the co-founders, um, has kind of been very vocal in supporting him. They had a big profile. Avalon themselves posted a profile of him a couple of years back about all the organizing work that he had done. So there was this kind of interesting intersect of my restaurant beat coverage intersecting with the protest coverage because mm-hmm. this guy is in both communities. Where are we at with the protests? So there's no curfew anymore. Um, where where do we stand currently right now? Yeah, the, the protesters. So they they um, got together a list of demands through one of their um, kind of, you know, when they do the speeches before they start marching, uh, they started asking for, for crowd participation to call out some of the demands, things that they wanted to ask of city officials. And I believe today they're actually meeting with Mayor Duggan to wow. sit down and put their demands forward and they've prioritized um, 11 demands, um, including, you know, ending project green light, um, making sure that anyone that was arrested during these actions, um, you know, that their charges are dropped, uh, things of that nature. Why, why do they want to end project green light? Because they feel it gives an advantage to those stores paying to get police service. Is that, is it the optics of it? Well, there, you know, Project Greenlight also uses facial recognition, and so there's some there's some security, um, privacy concerns there, and profiling concerns oh, because on. we also know that facial recognition um, is is less is, is far less effective for for um, uh, African Americans and people of color just because of the way that it's been yeah, designed. Built so, it. Yeah, yeah. So there's some built-in kind of inequities in the way that that system is 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 
carried out. Well, I don't out. think anybody wants it to re- replace police work, but if it's another tool, I don't know. I didn't make the yeah. list. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's mostly it's it's an invasion of privacy and and. Uh, but you're in public. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Well, the, the big concern is the facial recognition technology is not as accurate for black sure. faces. It's so they think it, it leads to more profiling and more guys getting grabbed off the street. I mean, one of the, you know, more stop and frisk. One of the, 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 the real sure. dangers of being a young black man walking on the streets is that somebody is going to think you're that young black man that was on the news, who was average height, average build, average right. complexion, wearing a hoodie and jeans. It's like, and sneakers, uh, yeah, that that really narrows it down. You know, I mean, that 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 puts everybody at risk. And when I was a member of uh, the Detroit chapter, the National Association of Black Journalists, our big issue was trying to get news organizations to have some standards for these um, for these be on the lookout uh, things that would be posted because they were so vague as to be useless. Yeah, right. And, and and we've seen we've seen the news industry get better at that, but you still from time to time we'll see somewhere some is um look out for a brother in a baseball hat. He's real dangerous. Like, or 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 you know when the when the sus- when this when the suspect is black they will list the, the race, but when it's a white suspect there's no race listed at all. Exactly. You know, so there there's number of issues um with, with Project Greenlight and the facial recognition facial recognition in particular there. But you know obviously the, the main the main thing that the protesters are asking for is to defund and demilitarize the police, um, you know, basically, which is, uh, I think, is a, is a slightly hyperbolic way um, of saying, you know, extreme reform of the police department, because, you know, these, these kind of, these uh, piecemeal reforms are not working, you know, these uh, community policing efforts are not working. You can see in Minneapolis, for example, Minneapolis is one of the departments that has done all of these things that, that have been asked of police departments over the last few years, including, you know, community policing and uh, de-escalation training. And you, you see what happened in Minneapolis regardless. So, you know, I think that, that protesters are looking for a more radical reform of, of police departments around the country. I think the, the, the word defund, though, is... They need um, a better message. They do. Well, they need yeah. a better word, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to unsettle too many people because it, 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 they take it literally, obviously, right, Mark? It's... Uh, yeah. Well, it's you a, know, it's, it's a worse. I mean, Democrats are, um, and I don't want to get off in politics here too much, but Democrats are often not very good at labeling. They're the worst. Right. They're terrible they are, at they're, it. They're, they're messaging, rather not labeling, but marketing and marketing. Because well, it does come down to marketing. Because, you know, but it's also a negotiation and you have to start with, with your most extreme, you know, you have to start with, with the most extreme kind of starting point, right? And hyperbole is often a tool of activists. This well, isn't, I, this I, isn't something, you know, because you have the message almost has to be extreme for people to listen. And then once you get those people in, then you can start getting into the nuances no, of what, sure. what defund actually means. No, but, for active, yeah, I agree that you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it'll certainly you know it'll certainly turn a lot of people off. Just for that, activists that and protest, it's a fine phrase. I yeah. for any, I mean, they don't care necessarily about politics and people getting elected necessarily. I mean, it's not their job. Uh, for Democrats, it's just bad because people aren't going to look into what it really means and what would really happen. They just hear. What we like police because police are generally looked upon in polls. Respect they they're respected for the most part, for the most well, part for on, the general public. The community, but by the way, Trump tweeted out the other day that Joe Biden wanted to use the word defund and basically wanted to eradicate the cops, and that's what I'm talking about. But you're right, yep. Mark, Mark, our free press, Mark. Mm-hmm. Sorry that um, 
you absolutely you have to push from the edge to move the center. I mean, that's exactly. That, yeah. That's and so that's how this works. So sure. the messaging might be extreme on the ends, but once it starts filtering through, you know, the sort of more, more what you would call maybe the mainstream, I think you'll see those, those messages sort of take on maybe more of a nuanced approach uh, or more, more nuance in the way that the, that message is out. And maybe they won't. I mean, but, but calling for defunding the police as we know it. I mean, it's the same thing as yeah. Black Lives Matter, right? You're not saying that Black Lives Matter only. Yeah, also. Bla- you know, yeah. right? Yep. Exactly. And so defund the police is defund the police as we know it. Yep. Well, Mark, you and Drew were talking about it on the show, uh, was it yesterday, I think? And you guys read that as reform the police. Sure. But I mean, that, that's once again, that's on the consumer to, to figure out what the, the meaning does. And frankly, most of the general public does not do that because it doesn't really affect their lives. I mean, it does now because they see protests being covered on the TV and at freep.com. So I don't and know. How will that affect? How will that affect the, uh, the entire population? Uh, if, if it's OK with Sean, I have a thought about that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something How long about Matt take? rubbing his biceps while he's asking that message. That question. It's, just, it's just putting on a little gun show for us. Um, so so uh, Mayor Duggan kind of addressed that yesterday, and he said that, you know, I'm going to listen to what these guys have to say, and my concern going into the meeting will be, is this going to be we work together on the things we agree on, like trying to eliminate cash bail, or is it going to be an all-or-nothing thing where if I yeah. don't accept all the points – we go nowhere on that because he made a point, which I think is a, a fair point that I've been hearing from community groups every week since I've been mayor. And since I started running for mayor and they want more police, they want more police to reduce response times. They want more police to, uh, to try and slow down speeders and to make the streets more safe because a lot of people get killed in, the, in this town because folks run through red lights and whatnot. And, and so, you know, he's got to be the mayor for everybody uh, not just some folks who have really grabbed center stage. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that meeting happens. And we're going to yeah. be reporting on that at, at freep.com this afternoon. And uh, and if you're listening to this later, that's not a dated reference because we're going to be reporting on this every <laughs> afternoon and every night and every morning because these marches are not going anywhere. Um, they are committed to doing this. And there's some talk of doing this until Trump is no longer president and until the Minneapolis police officer who is accused of killing uh, George Floyd is in prison. So, uh, so it's time for me to get some new Merrills because these are getting a little worn out. I but mean, uh, sorry, can, Mark. Can I just say something? You know, I mean, I think the, the issue is, is that we use police in this country to, to deal with so many issues that aren't, shouldn't be police issues. Right. Amen. You know, ho- homelessness, right. If we just treated the, you know, the lack of affordable housing, we wouldn't have homelessness, so we wouldn't need to criminalize homelessness. Same thing with drug addiction. I mean, all these things that we've used police as an instrument to deal or with mental health our, or yeah. mental health, all these things that we use the police to deal with issues in our society that perhaps aren't the best way to be dealing with them. And if we just took the money that we're, that we're putting in to fund the police departments to, you know, to criminalize the homeless and to, you know, to, to deal in mental health situations, if we just funneled that money into the, the you know, programs that actually, you know, aim to, to take the root of those issues. That's well, what this is all about. The you other, know? And, the other and, aspect yeah. is, you know, there's a big chunk of money from civil forfeitures and the war on drugs and they collect it and they dole it. I forget the, what the, what the phrase is, but it can only be, it cannot be spent on salaries. It can only be spent on, you know, th- this is more the demilitarization. Of yeah, right. yeah. 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 Stuff. 
they necessarily don't need. I would rather be spent on salaries, and then that's a way to weed out bad cops or people, you know, cops that police that have complaints against them. You know, if there's a bigger um, um, income for them, they can get rid of bad ones and hire new ones. So now you're talking about the police unit. There's just so many massively large issues. It's going to yeah. take a lot of time. Yeah. One of the problems with that is that is the same reason why you only get tickets now. You don't get warnings because the cops know if they don't give you a ticket, they're giving up an opportunity to make money. Now, if you tell people, well, if you seize stuff and you keep it, you can use that for more salaries. That's when you have cops running down the street saying, is that your scooter? Okay, throw it in the trunk. We're going to sell this at the auction. I mean, really what we need to do is is decide what the role of policing is. There's there's a philosophy of are, are police guardians or are they warriors? And the warrior mentality has gotten us in some trouble. But if you're going to make them guardians, you're getting people who may just have a GRE, who may be 18 years old, and you're asking them to deal with complex societal yeah. ills on the streets, and you're making them work double shifts because you don't pay them enough to hire more cops, but you need to keep the patrols up so you put them on overtime, and the cops want to work overtime because they need the money. You know, just the idea of who should be a local police officer, what are the qualifications, what is the proper compensation? It's a question that, frankly, society doesn't want to talk about because we can't afford the answer because the answer is more and better. And that means more expensive and that means more taxes. And when you hear that, people are like, I would really like to fix this, but what more taxes? Uh, we'll just muddle through. But the thing is, then you end up send, paying million-dollar settlements. So you're going to pay yeah. the money anyway. So let's get the job done right the first way. Now, ML, last week when we talked to you, you talked about a lot of run-ins, uh, clashes um, you know, with the protesters and with the police. It, it appears from where I sit that that's really calmed down. Do you still see as many uh, since last Tuesday when, in your coverage? No, and I think Mark and I were out there when the cops took a very hard line on this, which is, listen, we are uh, going to enforce a curfew. Now, the police will tell you that they only did that because they were being assaulted. And we did hear a lot of fireworks being thrown at police over the weekend, Sunday night, Monday night, not so many Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. But, um, but I, I talked to the chief about that last week and really pressed him on this point of Wednesday's march ended peacefully. Tuesday's March, which felt a lot like Wednesday's March, except you didn't draw a line on Gratiot Avenue and say, this is where you stop, um, did not end peacefully. Excuse me, Tuesday did not end peacefully. Wednesday's did. And just from the ground level, all I could see is that police just decided to let the marchers go. Now, the chief was adamant that there's intelligence that he was privy to that I was not, which I have no doubt about. But I said, this would be a great time to share that with the good people of Detroit. And he chose not to do so, um, you know, I, maybe that's to protect informants. I don't know. But you really wonder if police had taken the same approach on Tuesday that they had taken on Wednesday, if we could have avoided uh, a pretty gnarly scene on Gratiot Avenue. Now, over the weekend, there was a lot of violence. Things were being thrown at police. There was fireworks. I mean, it was a much more in-your-face, confrontational type of thing. The message of the streets are ours didn't really change, but it seemed like the demonstrators were more active in trying to assert that the streets are ours and you got to get the hell out of here. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, listen, we can all be right when we look at things in hindsight, but I, I, I can't help but wondering if, uh, if we should have let folks just keep marching on Tuesday because another 45 minutes... Yeah. They've been out of town. Then what happens, you know? 
Um, okay, so the other aspect for Mark today is, you know, the state's reopened. Uh, was 50% capacity for dining in and yep. restaurants. Um, how's that response been? What, well, how many restaurants have you seen not open? You know, Mark, would, while Mark oh, ponders that, sorry, what? I'd like to share a word from our good friend, Mr. Luke Nowacki. Oh. Uh, you've probably been watching your stock portfolio up and down. Well, guess what? It's going up again. So it's a good time to have some good advice on where to put your money. The Dow's experienced rapid rises and falls, and you just don't know what to do. So you need to turn to somebody who knows what they're doing. Volatility may be back. And if you have concerns over your investments or would like to discuss your strategy, give Luke Nowacki a call at 248-663-4748. That's 248-663-4748. Or email him at lnowacki, that's L-N-O-W-A-C-K-I, at jhnetwork.com. That's J-H-N-E-T-W-O-R-C-K.com. Luke has been doing this for nearly 19 years and has helped customers through the dot-com collapse in 2000, the 9-11 downturn, the 0203 downturn, the housing and financial collapse of 0809, and can help you presently. You can find his logo on our website. Click on that. It'll connect you with Luke Nowacki. He will make it. All about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Take it away, Mark. All right. <laughs> Which one? Me, Mark. <laughs> that Mark. Mark. Which Mark? Mark Curly Anchick, not Mark Fellhauer. Mark Good. Fellhauer will... Uh, Taking a break. Will, uh, yeah. will sit and reflect quietly. Yeah, so I mean, yesterday was the first day that that basically restaurants across the state were able to to reopen their dining rooms for the first time in in almost three months. March sixteenth, they were shut down. I mean, obviously we had some openings up north a couple of weeks ago, uh, but yesterday was the big day in Metro Detroit. And the from where I'm sitting, it seems to me that the majority of places are weren't open yesterday. A Monday's not really a restaurant yeah. day. You know, a lot of restaurants are closed Mondays as it is. Um, but a lot of, you know, it's like every individual place has some different, uh, has their individual plans. You know, some did open yesterday. I was at the stage deli yesterday right, mm-hmm. as they opened at 10 AM, but like it's places like stage that are, that are ready to open. I mean, they've been around for, you know, six decades. They were doing carry out the whole time. They've got a built in clientele and they were kind of, you know, really proactive about what the guidelines were elsewhere. You know, Steven Goldberg, who's the proprietor there, even, I think he, he said he looked up North. I know what some of the states were doing. So they were just, you know, they got a week's notice and they were they were as ready as they could be in a week. Uh, some other places, you know, I'm talking like fine dining places, especially some places downtown where the, the protests have been, you know, marching by um, are, are taking more of a wait and see approach. I mean, A, there's a lot of folks that just aren't comfortable yet, um, you know, especially the restaurant industry where a lot of the staff, you know, yeah. they, don't, they don't get they don't get paid sick leave. They're not getting they're making more money on unemployment than they would you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. in a restaurant at 50% capacity. Um, so it's been, it's been tough to staff up and really, it, you know, they just didn't have much notice. So the majority I would say are, are it's going to be a, it's a staggered opening. The majority are, are sort of waiting to see how it plays out. What yeah. percentage of restaurants do you think will never open again? Can you ballpark that? Yeah. I mean, the number that I've been, that I've been saying, and this was based sort of on some early estimates from the Michigan restaurant and lodging association is anywhere from a third to a half I think wow. with the with the new changes wow. to the with the new changes, this was before the PPP okay. um, came around, and with the new changes of the PPP that have made it a little bit easier to repay, 
and they they now they, they give you know originally you had to repay it in eight weeks and you had to get up to like seventy five percent of your staffing levels by a certain date in June and that's just you know for restaurants that are only open at fifty percent capacity there's no need to be there um, so they, they there's a new there was an addendum that passed to the PPP that made it more flexible and I think that that'll save um, a number of folks because it'll make the, those loans easier to convert to a grant so. You know, I'm going to say somewhere maybe an eighth to oh. to a quarter. You know, a quarter yes. of restaurants probably won't open. And I mean, it's a business that has a ton of turnover as it is. And we were seeing um, some evidence that there was a bubble coming anyway, even before COVID hit. So I think, you know, a tenth we're probably going to close anyway. And then you've got an extra, you know, an extra 10, 15% that are going to close permanently because of COVID. But some some big names, you know what I mean? I mean, Hopcat's not coming back from yeah. this. Punchbowl yeah. Social is not coming back from this. Bill Roberts had to close Town Tavern in, in Royal Oak. They're not coming back. You know, he's got other restaurants to run, but there's going to be a lot of empty spaces. Um, you know, and it's not just restaurants, too. Retailers, too, are, are being hit by this. And there's well, be a lot of empty storefronts. There's one Hopcat that's not reopening, and I, I saw that they, they filed for bankruptcy, but are they closing all their locations for good? Yeah, no, you're right. It is. I, I, was, I was speaking a little quickly there. They, are, they're, they filed for bankruptcy, and the Royal Oak location is closed for good. And I think that that in that bankruptcy statement, they, they mentioned that they would be closing some locations. Now they also expand really quickly over the last five years. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that they probably would have run into some issues in the next year or so anyway, because of that fast expansion and being over leveraged. I mean, the, the, the folks that are going to make it through this are the ones that don't have a lot of debt service or no debt service at all. You know, if you own your building, that certainly helps. So there's, there's all these nuances that, that will affect the outcome of certain restaurants but a lot of our favorites aren't going to come back. Mark, to your point uh, about 50%, and it's one thing to think about that figure, and I don't know what you saw exactly. I read your story, by the way, at, at the deli. It was a, it was very good, like like always. I was at a restaurant called Slurping Turtle in Ann Arbor last night oh, yeah. to get carry out, and I walked in, and, um, and it was probably 50% full, and they have a community table that runs the length of it. You know, that's been the thing for the last decade or so. And they were spread out every six feet. They had four people or what, you know, four tops, Mark Fellhauer, as we would say in this business. <laughs> I cook for a long time um, in any case. So they had the community table spread out. It was every other booth. And it was it was a surreal feeling to walk in. It's, it's like walking into a slow restaurant, but everybody yeah. was strategically yeah. placed. Yeah. So it was just kind of a strange well, uh, vibe, you know what I mean? For sure. It is a little surreal. And the funny thing is, is that I think this is actually going to alleviate there's been all these surveys over the last years of like what diners really hate about restaurants. One is communal tables. Two is the loud noise. Um, and shit, I think there was a third, but anyway, those two are not coming back. You know what I mean? Communal tables. Yeah. yeah, You're not sitting elbow to elbow for for a long time. No, unless Uh, you're 22, I guess. And and no reservations. That was the other thing that, that folks always, you know, want to make reservations and no reservations became this kind of hot trend over the last 10 years. And uh, I think most places are now, even fast casual places that would never think of doing reservations before are now doing reservation systems. So those three, those three oh, top complaints of diners all of a sudden are now, uh, are now going to be gone, you know. And you wonder, you wonder what's next. I mean, are people going to start wearing ties again to go, right? Because that's the other, that's the other trend in all this. And sorry, I don't mean to hijack this and pull an Elric. <laughs> but... Um, but the but I, the, I left a while ago. Yeah. But, uh, I guess you were a crook at one time. Ooh, turnabout's yeah, fair no, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's the one thing I uh, I actually love aside from you know people. Yeah, tell us more about yourself. 
<laughs> so what's that like to sit there and listen to somebody else talk about themselves? Oh my did, God, did, my didn't you have a question God, for Mark? <laughs> Weren't you 20 minutes into a question for Mark? Could you please complete that? No, no, the, the, the trend has been towards uh, casual casual atmospheres, right? Relax yeah. and so forth. So, so I've, I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks, last few, last couple of months, actually. Are we going to head back towards a little bit more formal setting because we want to keep our space, no. we want a little bit more orderly and all that sort of thing? I mean, I don't think so. I think it's going to accelerate the trends of fast casual dining where instead of sitting down and having full table side service, you're going to go and order at a counter and get mm -hmm. a number and go sit down at a table and then they're going to call your food to minimize touch contact. Mm. You know, fine dining is going to struggle the most in all this. A, because the amount of labor that it takes for fine dining restaurants, I mean, those budgets are small. The labor costs are, are just huge. And so, you know, if you can only have a certain amount of people in your restaurant at any given time, you can't even have the, the, the proper amount of staff inside, you know what I mean? Depending on how long this lasts, obviously if the, if the restrictions are lifted, you know, by 4th of July and we're all back to normal and, you know, eating inside a hundred percent of capacity, this is all moot. But I think it's also going to, you know, a lot depends on how comfortable diners are going to feel with all this. Hmm, right. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, it, there's so many people. It's, it's, it's really a personal thing at this point and a political thing too. But um, you know, it, uh, there's a lot of surveys that show that only about a third of people are ready to go to a restaurant today, you know, and, and the rest are, are going to wait weeks, if not months to go back up. All right. So you're um, the restaurant critic, and this has always been my one question for um, dining and restaurant critics. Why is there never a uh, bad list or an overrated list of restaurants in an area? Is that just, you don't want to, you don't want to shit on a restaurant? I mean, what, why? Well, is... it's, it's not to say I haven't shit on restaurants before. I mean, um, no. you know, there's, there've been, there've been, a, you know, a number of negative reviews and I, I you know, I, I try to include a little bit of criticism even in the positive ones. But at the end of the day, I think that my job is to tell people where they should go and spend their money mm -hmm. and, and every once in a while to tell them where not to go, you know, so that it keeps the, the operators on their toes. But most of the, most of the time I do want to, you know, promote places that are doing it well and, and that have my support. And then when there's, you know, some that aren't, that's, that's the time to call them out. But doing a list of like shitty restaurants, that just feels just, a little, click, uh, okay. it feels a little clickbaity. Well, hey, if it works, Mark, I mean, I'd read it. Mark, one of the, <laughs> Mark, one of the questions I had for you, I actually know a couple of restaurant owners. One of them was talking about going to California rules where they pay people, you know, a certain hourly wage and, yeah. and uh, keep the tips in house. Do you see a lot of, do you think that that's going to be happening a lot considering that the market is going to be so wishy-washy? Well, that's been a huge topic of debate. You know, we had a ballot proposal um, on the ballot. Uh, was it this last election? I can't even remember what day it is now. There was a ballot proposal basically that, that um, it was in a number of states. There's a campaign called the My Fair Wage Campaign and it's to eliminate the tip wage because in, in Michigan, Michigan is one of those states where a server still makes $3 and I think it's three twenty-three cents an hour. And then the tips are supposed to get them above the minimum wage. Um, and so that's a substandard minimum. And so this has been a hot topic for a long time. There's a lot of, uh, you know, political back and forth about this because that ballot proposal passed. And then the, so this was not this last, it was, yeah, when, when, uh, during the last government, uh, governor election, gubernatorial election, um, so that, that ballot proposal passed, but the, the GOP-led legislature gutted it. They basically um, adopted the language of the ballot proposal so that it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't take effect. Um, 
and then gutted all the things that were in it, essentially, including paid sick leave and getting rid of that minimum wage. So this it's a battle, and it's going to continue for a while. Um, it's well, just, to that point, yeah. to that point, would you see service going down if tips were to just disappear? You know, we... We don't see that in places like California, where you know you're still you still tip on top of um, on top at the end of your meal. It's not like they've eliminated tips. It's just that that the servers are guaranteed fifteen dollars an hour from the employer first, and then the tip is what it is, right? It's it's a gratuity from the from the yeah. from the customer. Yeah. Whereas in our state, we basically take on the responsibility of paying yeah. the employees of these restaurants as customers. It's, you know, we're we're the ones that are paying their wages. When really it should be, you know, I mean, this is depends where you fall on the political spectrum, but you, it seems to make sense that, you know, the employer would pay the wages and then any yeah. type of tips and gratuities that come from guests are just that, where they're gratuities, not the not the base wage. Hey, Mark Felhar, would you really want uh, a restaurant critic to, to rip small uh, businesses, small restaurants like that? We don't do that with any other kind of well, not, business. We don't do that with a local hardware store, for example, right? Well, we don't review those either. Do we, yeah, we don't have a hardware critic, but I just, I just mean, okay, maybe, maybe not a list or something. I just, I want more criticism, I suppose. Yeah, well, you know, you, 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 Mark, I think talked shit about my Empire review in, in a previous podcast when it was a, that was a, that was a, that was a negative review. That was about as negative review as I've ever done. And you, okay, and you, I, I remember and you read that. it in a mocking tone. So, what do you want from me, man? <laughs> I'm just going to hide Well, you know, the other thing is, I I think you have to understand what your audience is, too. I mean, we are not uh, some leather-bound publication. We are a general interest publication. And for me, who is not in any way an epicure, I mean, Sean has made some amazing food uh, for us, and and it was really good. And that's all I could say about it. Yeah, really good. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's being kind, but I was not going to say that, but he kind of chimed you in. You know what? It could... oh, okay, so we're back to me. Um, but, no. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, if, if you know, it's, he's not like James Bond who's saying, you know, that the, uh, that the 54 whatever is half a degree too cold. I, I mean, I mean my, my, when I read the free press uh, reviews of places to go, I want to sit down and say, if I go there, am I going to get a meal that I am going to enjoy, an atmosphere that I think will Service. be nice at a reasonable price? And if it turns out that the Vichy Swa maybe has one extra fish head in it or whatever the hell they put in that, uh, you know, potatoes. then uh, just, <laughs> cold, cold potatoes, cold potato, oh, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe if the potatoes have one extra eye, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm a guy who sits, I'm like Jonathan Richmond. I eat with gusto and then I move on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think we're, we're not catering to, you know, we're catering to consumers. We're not con- catering to sommeliers. Well, that's not, first of all, I like your f- uh, food reference to the 1984 or whatever, the Vichy Swab. But uh, I, I, I used to write <laughs> restaurant reviews in Alabama when I was on, sort of on the side. And I wrote one at one point that the, this got me a meeting with the publisher and the head of the restaurant, right? Because it, it, the town was about 300,000 people and it was too negative. I had the experience here. I used to, I used to work with Sylvia Rector, uh, rest in peace, right? Mm-hmm. And write reviews here 15 years ago. And sometimes I'd go to restaurants and the food was so bad, I wouldn't write. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that was kind of the arrangement well, we had. You know, I why? Don't know if you've had that but that's what I'm, that's you know, what I'm for, talking for me, about. Why? For me, it's like it, it has to be bad in an interesting way. You know what I mean? Okay. If it's just bad, it's just bad. I mean, then, then there, I'm not going to write about it. But exactly. if it's bad in some kind of way that I can actually make a story out of it or it says something about some larger dynamic that's going on, that's when I'll, that's when I'll write about it. Like, for you know, 
let's take the Empire piece, not to beat a dead horse here, but like, yeah, please, Mark, please. That, <laughs> that to me was like, you know, Empire, you you could, uh, you know, you could, you could take a, you could sign swap that place for other places. Empire just happened to be that type of place that, that was that one that, that opened in, in that succession of places that were just like it, that open that did it at such a vanilla kind of level that I felt it was justified to finally to say something about that style of restaurant. I read you know it. I mean? Is, is <laughs> I mean, this a situation it. where... And the you, food was bad, too. So Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Is this a situation where you can damn with fate praise where you just say something like, the burger's good, you know, or you say something like... Yeah. For 10 why, bucks, why even write that then? You know, why even write that then? Well, because... You know, so my concern is, and what, Sean, your your critics column in El, it was called Fried or Not Fried. Was that it? No, it was actually a Mexican place that that, that got me the got me in trouble with the publisher oh. and so forth. But it, it, it real quickly, Mark Felhard, the top before we went on air, was asking about or talking about restaurant critics being uh, a great great job. I stopped doing it because I like to cook and eat too much, and I didn't want to turn it into a job. And that's already happened with me with sports, right? You don't watch sure. the sports way. So I'm curious, Mark, for you, because Felhar and I were talking about this before. A lot of people think it's a dream job. It's not necessarily because it changes the way you, at least it did for me, how you think about food and, I mean, and having to write about people putting their, their creativity out there, right? Yeah, look, it's still the best job at the Free Press. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't change anything about that. I mean, I still Wait, I still doesn't, Mi- food. doesn't I still Mitch still cook. work there? What's that? Doesn't Mitch still work there? Oh, okay. Touche. Oh, wow. Touche. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's not the as, best it's not full-time as, job at the free press. <laughs> there you go. It's not as glamorous as it, you know, I mean, so many of the, you know, a lot of it is just kind of like eating bad burgers and then not writing about it uh, or, you know, going to a place, you know, especially for a full review, I'll go to a place three times. So, you know, I have to, sometimes I have to go to a place that I just can't bring myself to go to three times. Hey, Mark. Um, and what, that feels a little like, you know, self-flagellation, but. What won't you eat? Like, is there a kind of food you just hate? No, not really. Really? Okay. No. Vichy Soie. What about that fish head Vichy Soie? I'm good with, with the extra potato. I'll even take the Elric special, I guess. <laughs> well, that would be a peanut butter sandwich. So come on over. Uh, we have two kinds, crunchy and uh, smooth. If you put um, bananas in, it'll be a little bit better. That's the Elvis. But, uh, you know, the one thing is, uh, I, I, you know, I, I wonder if, uh, because I think that we do have an obligation to tell people that things aren't that good. In other words, like I don't go to city hall and say, this public official sucks, but I'm just going to write about yeah. the good ones because I'd have nothing to write about. Sure. But um, <laughs> but I, I wonder if there's a way to just kind of do like a scorecard where you say, I went to five places this week, you know, two stars, three stars, whatever, where you don't just drill them into the floor, but at least we know somebody's been there, somebody looked yeah. at it. Uh, you might want to go someplace else. And- you know, again, if, if if we were at full full staff and, you yeah. know, and had the budget for these types of things, for sure. Sean's when, at half you know, staff. When, when you've got... <laughs> Thanks to you. Sorry. <laughs> when we, you know, uh, his hand is a little moist today, so it's not working. I also, you know, it's not it's not all just uh, just writing restaurant reviews because I, I cover basically the the industry, right? Yeah. So right, you know, so that'll you know sometimes a, a negative piece of press will look like a piece that, that I did like last year on Oda Supply, where they were bouncing checks to their employees for months on end, and the employees finally started to reach out to me, and you know I gathered as much information as possible, did kind of an, an expose about this unfair treatment, you know, that's, that's a potential violation of labor laws is to be repeatedly knowingly bouncing checks. So, yeah. you know, it's stories like that. Right now I'm, I'm in the midst of working on a story about a, um, 
alleged domestic abuse case, um, wow. in, you know, of a, of a, you know, sort of well-known chef. So, wow. you know, if I were if I were doing like just straight criticism, yeah, I think right. we'd see a lot more of that kind of, you know, sure. those okay. lists and that stuff. But instead, you know, I'm doing reporting as well as no, you, or you, what you would think of as traditional reporting rather than just criticism. It's a hybrid role. Right. You're also, I mean, you're also a cultural reporter and, and, and you're a business reporter. I mean, you cover so many yeah. things and, and we really do kind of come together at, at a shared table. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fascinating job that has a lot more nuance and a lot more responsibility than people think. Um, before we let you go, I, I got to ask you to tell us your best Ben Schmidt story. <laughs> Oh, man. So for folks who don't know Ben Schmidt, uh, Ben Schmidt never listens to this podcast. So kiss my ass, Ben <laughs> Schmidt. But he was a great police reporter at the Detroit Free Press who became an adjunct professor at Wayne State while also being one of the best police reporters in Detroit. And Mark had the experience, I won't necessarily say it, the trauma of being in that class, but you got to have some crazy thing that he said or did in the course of a semester. Or are there too many to pick through. Or is this the uh, you know, bad review you won't write? The most memorable thing, I mean, that was, you know, it's it's all a, a, a dull haze at this point, but the most memorable thing was he, in one at one class, it was a night class, because uh, I was working full-time at the time, and we, uh, he got, I think he loaded the entire class, and there were maybe eight or, eight or ten of us into his van, and drove us down to uh, James Tate's office. He was the, uh, um, he was the, the, the press, the press guy for Kwame at the time. And, uh, you know, we had this, this meeting at, at James Tate's office. Um, and it was, you know, just the, just, you know, a professor loading us into his, you know, it was a crappy van, um, with, I don't think there were any seats in it sitting on the floor kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, know that's, that, a, that's, that's a memory that sticks out. I don't have any, uh, I know any, that van, uh, any deeper dirt than that, unfortunately. That's okay. Well, hey, Mark Kurlianchik, uh, where can folks find your stuff? What's the easiest way to, to tap into your body of work? Uh, I mean, you can go freep.com. We have a restaurants tab at the top there. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all, all of the above. Okay. And Mark, we, we appreciate, we're glad that you're going to be able to diversify your editorial palette again now that things are reopening. And uh, great working with you on the protest, man. This dude backpedals like, wow, he, he looks man. like... He looks like Sean facing the truth. He's just flying backwards at a furious rate. I couldn't wait, believe it. You're, wait, you're the one that flies backwards, I thought, though. No, no, I, I walk forward, but I keep my hand like this so Mandy doesn't get wiped out. But, uh, yeah, no, I actually, uh, speaking of police reforms, I did fly backwards. It was That's all what I'm talking camera. about. The police investigated and found out that I was responsible. So there is something to be said about police not only taking complaints, but then actually doing something with them. So, uh so, damn, you brought us full circle. This guy, we're going to have to have you on, on more often. Uh, Mark Kurlianchik, um, thank you for being a guest on, uh, on the uh, Soul of Detroit. And we have a new feature just for guests on the Soul of Detroit. Oh, great. All guests appearing on ML Soul of Detroit receive a 12-pack of Altus Lager. Oh, he loved beer. <laughs> so make sure, make sure he gets that to you. Don't let him. I will. I'll hold him out. to it. All right. <laughs> Thank I, you, uh, Thanks, Mark. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. If you've seen The Office Space, and if you haven't, what are you doing listening to this show? I mean, that is, that's a great movie. You need to go watch it, particularly if you're socially distancing and you're still locked at home or whatever. But... 
There was an issue where um, where lovely Jennifer Aniston got in trouble because she was working at a Bennigan's like uh, place and did not have on enough flair. Well, now we're hearing that people are getting in trouble for having flair on. Mark, what, what bring us up to date on this latest controversy? Oh, are you talking about a holiday market in um, Royal Oak? Very famous market. Very great. I mean, I like the market, but um, they started getting flack online. Uh, because an employee came in and he had a Black Lives Matter sign attached to his jacket, and they said that is against our store policy. No uh, messaging. Um, you know, please, please take it off. And the kid got really emotional, and so there's so. And there was another person, I believe, that had a, a button on their hat. So after being trashed, there was a long apology on Facebook that has been since pulled, where it's like we didn't fire anybody, and the messaging there was was a little odd and now the new update is that they're donating $2,500 to I forget what what the societal cause was and they're allowing anybody to wear messaging now um, of the sort and I believe Sean you said so much so that they're even supplying some of those I'm not sure that was me I thought that was Mike oh oh, okay maybe that was Mike is that you Mike No, that wasn't me. I, I was just <laughs> I was just making the analogy with office space where you had to have more flair. But th- this raises an interesting point in that when you have a business, you don't want to alienate customers. The whole the whole idea is to welcome people and make them feel comfortable, make them spend and want to come back. But if you're an employee, should your free right to speak be restricted for those hours that you are on the clock. Now, I say this as someone who has been a union uh, member almost my entire working career and proudly wore my News Guild button on every suit every day I was in City Hall or represented the Free Press. Um, The Free Press never gave me a hard time about that. I don't think they particularly cared for it, but they didn't care enough to make it an issue. And they may have also been concerned that it could be something where it could lead to a grievance. But, um, but this is, you know, this is an issue of uh, something that's in the headlines, something that's very of the moment. And the question is, should businesses be allowed to restrict employee expression, free expression while they're, while they're on the clock? Well, I mean, the point's going to be, where do you draw that line? Where's the line drawn? as to what's allowed and what, I mean, what if, what if somebody wants to wear a MAGA hat in? It's a very divisive hat. Is, is that okay? I mean, right. So, but, but maybe to people who support president Trump and shop at, at the holiday market, that is a welcoming sign. Uh, sure. I mean, do you want to have diversity of all things? Should we have people expressing their views? And so you're like, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the produce aisle because they seem a little more conservative. Oh, well, I'm going to go to the organic foods aisle because they seem a little more liberal and, you know, I mean, uh, this is we are is, inundated with messaging and politics nonstop. Is that really what the customers want to see, even when they're just going to get groceries? Even if you agree with it, uh, is that, shouldn't that be up to the proprietor? Shouldn't it be up to the person that owns the business? Like, these are our uniforms. This is what we want you to wear. Now, they could have handled it a hell of a lot better if, based on the stories and how it was handled, are exactly true i just think go ahead so the issue is do we have a no-fly zone when you're at work in other words you can't express yourself in any way fundamentally 
I don't have a problem with that if that's your store policy. But if you decide when somebody wears a Black Lives Matter button or a Black Lives Matter sign on their jacket that all of a sudden we have this policy, that feels a little bit like selective enforcement to me. Sure, and this was their policy. You can't though. do that. This this was their policy. Now you're getting into the bigger thing. You know, this whole idea that they pledged twenty five hundred dollars to uh, Equal Justice Initiative on behalf of the work of Brian Stevenson, a, a voice in the human rights movement. So now, you know, that to me seems like it's a little bit of pandering, and they're trying to get out of it because here's a donation. You see some record labels I think donated two hundred twenty five million. Um, it just seems like is is that really the point of this is to make people pay money and then you get into the issue of now there's people that don't want to make comment and they're getting in trouble for not making a comment it just um somebody described it as ex- almost extortion-esque i don't think it's necessarily extortion but what do you what do you do what what do you do if you're in a situation like this you're a business and there's a mob wanting you to do something you have to do it well uh, a couple thoughts here first of all uh, you know mob is uh, maybe not the best word there. I know. I know you don't mean it the way it sounds, but um, how does it sound? Look, is that, is a, that a mob of thugs? That- <laughs> kind of. I mean, it sounds like well, an angry people out there that are that well, are people are angry, some, but but that are after something that has nothing to do with justice or whatever. But but forget that for a second. My thoughts are I'm kind of with Mike uh, Elric on this in this sense. If, if a if a business store whatever whatever kind of institution uh, private institution has a policy, that's fine. They're free to do that. I, and I wrote this a little bit when I wrote about Drew, Drew Brees and the flag in the NFL last week. He's free to have that opinion. The NFL is free to have that opinion. Um, they are not free from criticism. And this is what, and this is what I keep trying to, to explain to folks. You don't lose your First Amendment right to express yourself in some way. You're not free from the consequences of that if you're an employee at a, royal, uh, you know, at a holiday market or in the NFL. However, you can't be expected to be free of criticism. So the store can have this policy, but if that alienates some of their customers because they're not reading the room right now, which is that we are in a, a, a fairly unprecedented moment, then that's on them as bad business folks, right? Mm-hmm. They have to read the room. They have to be able to adapt, but they're free to set their policy, but they're absolutely not free from people saying, you know what, that's not fair and have their own opinion about it. Well, they also want to protect their business. I mean, look at Home Depot. You don't see Girl Scout. Uh, selling cookies at Home Depot because the Ku Klux Klan can also start handing out pamphlets. So where does it end? Wait, which Home Depot are you going to? (laughs) (laughs) When I worked at the Home Depot in Pontiac in 99, they told us that they used to let people, you know, demonstrate out there until the Ku Klux Klan was handing out pamphlets. I got you. So it's the same thing as why uh, why you have to let the Nazis march down Main Street Skokie. because you also yeah. have to let the uh, you know anti Nazis march down. It's yeah okay. I, but that, but but that's more for for public. It should be more for public spaces too. But to your point again, Mike, or is it ML? Sorry, I, it's been a while. I'm, you stick with sir. Okay, sir. Jesus. Oh, to your to your point and to your point, Mark, too, it's politicized. So many things are politicized. And Mike, you were joking about, you know, do you go to this aisle or that aisle, depending on your political leanings. But overall, business wise, and Matt, Home Depot, you know, it's a little bit more conservative. The ownership lows. You know, people are making decisions all the time. People who are throwing their curing coffee makers or smashing yeah, yeah. them right? not that long ago. So that's just the world we live in right now. Well, I'm all for that's what I'm saying. Money's the bottom line. Well, I mean, I'm I'm all for 
you know, boycotts and protests because they tend to work and change behavior. But I'm just thinking of, you know, this business has a policy. And because this is going on right now, they need to make an exception. So what happens when the next person comes in, say, with a, well, we'll use Matt's example, with a KKK pin? Well, if it's going to alienate enough of their customers, then they absolutely shouldn't do it. I mean, that's the thing. They have but, to be able to, like I said, kind of read the read the moment. But I don't think this was about the, the customers. The it, was, it was about the employees wanting to be able to express themselves, which on paper sounds great. But do you have a policy? That why, why is that policy not applicable now? This would, well, be, the, gotta, would be the question. Because they're, if they're, they're most concerned about their bottom line, right? Yeah. They're going to have to understand is the larger cultural moment and how that relates to the message, whatever that employee is trying to send, and how will that affect the business? And I know it's inconsistent, but in some ways, you're, you're trying to protect your business. Yeah. And they, they got to be able to operate does, in the larger context of society. Does it seem a little disingenuine because something like this had to happen for them to do that instead of just doing it? I mean, I don't know. We could say that about all of us. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us are, certainly in this podcast, are thinking about things we we made a little bit differently than we did a couple of months ago or three weeks ago, right? Let's take it to a different level, Sean. Should the New York Knicks have to make a statement? Because James Dolan, terrible, terrible person by all accounts, <laughs> didn't want to make any kind of comment and set out a memo, and that memo gets leaked, and now people are mad because the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden did not make a comment. He had to make a statement as it relates to his customers, right, the fan base. I mean, I mean that's just kind of pander. Uh, I guess. I mean, you you say pander because you don't agree with the politics. I mean, pander is only used when you don't agree with something, right? So, otherwise, you could say support, which is the opposite of pander. I mean, but kind of means the same thing. Look, the NFL is backtracking right now. Why are they doing that? They didn't. They had an opportunity four years ago, and they read the tea room. They they read the tea leaves. President Trump was calling son of a bitches. The fans were turning off the TVs to some degree, and they said, no, you're not going to kneel, and they did everything to make it go away, and they did. And now they're changing. Why is that? Because the, the, the room is changing. Sure. And they're trying, to, they're trying to operate, and they understand all of a sudden this is a little bit bigger, and they don't want their players in September, if they say you can't kneel, and 50, 60, 70, 80% of those players, of the, of the black players in the NFL, which is already 75% of the league, if they, let's say, walk out, there's no football. And they understand that's how powerful this is right now, so that's why they're speaking. Anyway, sorry. What if they want to wear? Go ahead. I, I think I got a resolution for this. If you got a policy, stick by your policy. If you're going to change your policy, let people know you're going to change your policy. And if you're going to come to Jesus, come to Jesus with an open heart and now with a knife at your back. And that's your great debate. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Is- him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? I think there's a temptation to believe that I pick on Fox Network News evening hosts um, because because they're dicks. Well, that that's true. That's why. That's why. It's next up. Um, no, no, because a lot of what they say does not comport to journalistic standards, yet they pretend to be journalists when it suits them. And our latest example is Laura Ingram. You may remember that when LeBron James expressed some political feelings, she said, shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, if that's how you believe. This really ties into our great debate. If that's how she believes, then that's... That's her opinion. She's entitled to it. Um, But when Drew Brees 
said that he would never disrespect the American flag and took some criticism. She said he finds himself in this scalding cauldron of hate. Uh, Des Byler of the Washington Post reports that Ingram says Nees should have been Breeze should have been allowed to have his view of what kneeling in the flag means to him. I mean, he's a person; he has some worth. I would imagine this is beyond football, though. This is totalitarian conduct. This is Stalinist. But really, <laughs> uh, Laura, in 2018, after James and fellow NBA standout Kevin Durant sharply criticized President Trump, James, who had called Trump a bum several months earlier said that the president is someone who doesn't understand the people and really doesn't give an F about the people. You need to empower people. You need to encourage people. And that's what builds a great team, Durant said at the time. And I feel like our team as a country is not run by a great coach, calling their comments ignorant. Ingram said on her Fox News show, you're great players, but nobody voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach, she added. So keep the political commentary to yourself. Or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. The outcry over Ingram's 2018 remarks led her to issue a statement in which she said, if pro athletes and entertainers want to freelance as political pundits, then they should not be surprised when they're called out for insulting politicians. There was no racial intent in my remarks. False defamatory charge of racism or a transparent attempt to immunize entertainment and sports elites from scrutiny and criticism. Let me tell you something. You're no sport. You ain't very entertaining, but you are a hypocrite. And that's why Laura Ingram. Here's my Ingram factor. Geek of the week. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too soft. I'm going to pretend like you need to just make my dick go soft. It is my distinct pleasure and honor to introduce Mr. Matt Jennings from the cab of his rig, to educate us, to school us in this week in soft history. Professor, the podium is yours. First off, let's hear that horn. I want to hear that horn. Oh, okay. I'm a child. Open the door. (laughs) That's fucking sweet. Right. I don't care what anyone says. That's cool. Right, John? It is cool. Kids love it. It's very cool. (laughs) The only thing that isn't cool is the dick goes soft part for Sean. No. No, he loves that part. Yeah, right. oh, it reminds me too much of, you know. Well, Real life. It's a, it's a visual I shall never forget. <laughs> All right, take it away, Manny. Uh, you can't see it. Anymore. All right. Let's go back to 1919. The 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which gave women the right to vote, was passed by the Senate, finally making it legal for women to tell men what to do. If uh, if it was illegal before, the jails would be filled to capacity. Or they just invented airports. No, no response from Windsor. What I would do. Sean's waiting for permission to respond. <laughs> no, go keep going. <laughs> All right, let's get this over. That was a right? legitimate. That was a good joke. That was a good joke. Yeah, no, it was. If you don't like women, but keep going. <sighs> it's a jo- that's why it's a joke. <laughs> oh man, this sucks. Oh, boy. In, in 1968, U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy died of a bullet wound from assassin Sirhan Sirhan, who was a son of a stuttering shoe salesman. Wow. Um, uh, um, that was a bad day in American history. It was, yeah. <laughs> was, that too, was that joke too soon? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't hear it. He cut out there a little bit. I. 
Oh boy. Okay. Move on. Carry sorry, on. Sorry about that, Matt. But, <laughs> no, I, but no, I'm sure, I'm sure no, everybody not. else heard it. So no, he's not. Good. Selective hearing. Well, we only got about seven more. In 2002, drug charges against Dion Warwick were dropped after a judge agreed to a plea bargain. The charges were based on a claim that baggage screeners had found 11 suspected marijuana cigarettes inside her lipstick container. And from that point on, she kept all her drugs hidden safely away in her niece. Now, That's- shouldn't Deanne Warwick have known that they were going to search her bag with her uh, access to the psychic hotline? True. That's a solid joke, though. That's a good joke, Thank no? Is that too soon? Because Whitney's dead now. Oh, is Whitney her niece? Okay. Oh, you didn't know that? I did not know that. Ah. I, I'm I'm a little behind on my Dion Warwick. By the way, I think Dion Warwick actually sold, uh, sang a uh, James Bond theme song that was not used. Uh, that's the fault of the consumer for not getting that joke. <laughs> User Can error. This week in soft history, I'm <laughs> sexy Sean Windsor. I mean did, Matt Jennings. I, I, I love, did, yeah, I love Dion Warwick. Did you just pull the emergency shoot? Do we have more? That was it. Just three. <laughs> yeah, just three, buddy. Wow. Was, uh, okay. Those were. Well, uh, I got your back, Matt. Those those were solid. What's the tattoo? Can you show us the tattoo? Uh, this is the my family crest right here. It's got three lead weights and a wolf on top. This you is one what? of my favorite bands, and this is No More Kings. And Austin and Krista are my kids on my wrist, and then I've got the Jedi Order and the Rebel <laughs> Alliance. Oh, Boy, I was going to say. I was going to say those jokes. There's three more lead weights. <laughs> what's, your, That's right. what's your tramp stamp? Oh, uh, it says, uh, it says my eyes are up here. <laughs> Very well. You're, you're a big star Wars guy, right? I love star Wars. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Just, just make sure somebody doesn't blow up the death star while you're picking, tying your shoelaces. If you know what I'm saying? That's happened a lot. <laughs> I saw Matt. I saw a great star Wars reference yesterday. Uh, I think it was on Twitter. There's a guy by the name of Charlie Kirk. I don't know if you know who he is. He's kind yeah. of a right wing uh-huh. uh, troublemaker, whatever. He tweeted out the he just said Republican the Republican Party freed uh, slaves. And somebody, mm-hmm. a, a professor of history, who's a big Star Wars guy, re, quote tweeted and said Darth Vader was a Jedi. I thought that was uh, you know a pretty good metaphor for that. It's pretty Analogy deep. You know, it's pretty deep. They've actually talked about how the. Uh, the uh, not the Death Star, but uh, the Rebel Alliance were the bad guys. Boy, speaking well, yeah. of puffs with lotion, why don't you guys in a room all by yourself? Make your Princess Leia in a gold uh, bikini. Yeah, we have a different room hey. to get to. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Room 7609, where we take new wave bands that maybe did not get the attention they deserved back in the day, or they had many hits that you know, and some that you should know. This week, we're taking a little different tack. We're highlighting a band that I love, that some people may say is not exactly new wave, but I like to define this broadly. So Sisters of Mercy is our guest this week in uh, in the new wave suite, and here is a song that will leave you wanting 
specifically what the title is. The boys in the band and the very beautiful woman on bass call it more. Yeah. 
that you can guess. So normally we would not take up this much of the show to play a new wave tune. If we were, we would have played this Corrosion by Sisters of Mercy, which is one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. And I used to torture the DJs at the shelter in the city club by making them play it in all its glory. But that song was eight minutes and 25 seconds. And if it seemed like a really long time, that cop's knee was on George Floyd's neck for 21 seconds more. So think about that for a second. And there's a couple other messages wow. in this song. We could all use a little more understanding. I think that's true. Uh, I do need all the love I can get. I think that describes a lot of people. And Sisters of Mercy is a band that has had a tumultuous history. It's basically a project that uh, has been driven by Andrew Eldridge, who is, uh, has those, that great, those great pipes. He is one of the, the gods of goth. There's a great video for one of their songs, Dominion, where he appears in a white suit. And one of the greatest comments you'll ever see on YouTube is that <laughs> Andrew Eldridge is the only guy, he is so goth, he can get away with wearing white, which I just think is, is genius because nobody's going to question his goth credentials. It's sort of like Dwayne Johnson wearing a pink polo shirt. Nobody's going to say, I wonder if, I wonder if Dwayne Johnson is soft. soft. No, he's the rock. Okay. He so sounds, he can, does he, he sound can a little, wear that. Um, does he sound a little Bowie-esque to you? Or at least in that song, I thought he did. Uh, yeah, he, he does. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Bowie's an influence on so many, so many new wave and goth people because yeah. he had, he was such a pioneer and he had so many different incarnations but one of my favorite parts of, of, uh, of the Sisters of Mercy is the bass player, Patricia Morrison, who is mm. one of the all-time goth goddesses. She, mm. is, uh, she, is, she is something else. And there's a Detroit connection to the Sisters of Mercy as well. There's a very famous Sister of Mercy's photo where the band posed in front of one of the adult theaters that used to be so prevalent on Woodward Avenue in Midtown Detroit really? that uh, you can find it online. It's a really cool, really cool photo. And I know some, uh, some women who I used to go to clubs with who tried to recreate the photo themselves. And it was, that's pretty <laughs> fun too. Huh. I like it. It's a good song. Sean. I, li- I like the message. Oh, Sean's still with us. I, no, like, I like the, the message. message. Yeah. I do. Sean, Sean hung in there. He wants no more, but he appreciates. No, no, no. Uh, I will listen to you talk all day long, and um, <laughs> even when I'm not getting paid to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. No, I, I did, like your message. I like the I like the time with George Floyd yeah. and the time. I, that's very powerful. You could have left it right there, and that would have been a powerful end. Oh, he's editing but, you now. Then I then I didn't get to think about Patricia Morrison and, and connect uh, the sisters to uh, to Detroit. No, no, no. But, I know that was all. That was all good. I, I. I I think what you did today was was great. Thank you. We we we're recording this, right? Did we get that? Did we? <laughs> yes, yeah, okay, we, we, guess, we can save that and use it whenever we need. It. But uh, but room seven six oh nine is open. We have vacancies, as you know. The pandemic has hit hotels particularly bad. So if you would like to book a stay in the new wave suite, please make your suggestions, make your nominations. We had one for Talk Talk, who we actually played very early on in this show. So you can go back and check that episode out on Spotify. There's a room 7609 playlist that I think Mark put together. that should still be out there. If you yeah, want to take to a look updated. at it, yeah. it's a little dated now, but the music's just as good as it ever was. And we love to get your suggestions and your feedback at ML soul of Detroit at gmail.com. You can, you can call us 
at uh, 313-288-9070. That's Butterfield 89070. And we will be playing some of those messages for you in the future. Um, you can also uh, buy one of these sweet Soul of Detroit hats. These are these are brand new. They are flying off the shelves. Um, they're flying like frozen turkeys. They just, <laughs> like in WKRP, they just... Put them on a chopper, let them go, and oh shit! But uh, but they ship just in time for Father's Day. Dad would love one. It's great for covering up the bald spot. Um, and we also have our hockey jerseys on sale. Those are twenty percent off, and we will throw in a free autographed Kwame Sutra with every hockey jersey purchase, folks. Once those are gone, they are gone. We also have our T-shirts back in stock, and including Triple X for our biggest fans. And you can also, if you just want to get a sticker or a Kwame Sutra, it's great to see those stickers on your car. And the Kwame Sutra is very topical. In fact, it's uh, became more topical with talk of releasing his honor. So you can get those at uh, drewandmikestore.com. If you're feeling flush, maybe you got your uh, stimulus check. Mark, how do they carve a little piece of that off for us? Uh, uh, same website, mlsoladetroit.com. And there is a um, donate button right at the top. And we have an additive incentive if you would like to donate. For $20 or more, you can participate in a new program we have called Soul. It's sort of like Cameo, except we read your messages. You donate 20 bucks. When you make your donation, you hit the note button on PayPal, and it allows you to send us a message that we will then read on the air. Pretty much anything's fair game. If you're really whacked out, we may have to pull you back. Uh, we did get a message uh, that we are looking for. Uh, my man, um, da, 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 Brian, sent us something. I could not find the, the email. If you want to resend it, sure. we will read that on next week's show. I, I, ha- so, I, Brian, have, it. I have the email. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Mark, is this, shall we, yeah, shall I'll we, read, uh, I'll read it. fulfill it's, our Cami Soul obligation? Yeah, I'd like to. It, it's very long and, and well thought out. And I, I think it's, oh, a val- I think, <laughs> I think it's a valid point. Um, of course, the subject, I'm not nuts about the subject line, but it's Mark is blind to injustice, but it's okay. Um, yeah, th- by the way, the longer the message, the more money you might want to put in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he says, you know, simply the officer who killed George Floyd is getting punished. Hopefully it's justice served sw- swiftly and correctly. Regardless, things need to change. Seeing that and knowing about the police brutality statistic that Leduff has mentioned before doesn't change that fact to you, me, the rioters, pro- uh, protesters, and all manner of modern individuals who are all hypocrites when it comes to any of us to speak about injustice. And many of us, I think we recognize the hypocrisy in ourselves and in those around us, but we have yet to put our fingers on it. Uh, a large part of ourselves may agree with the reasons for the outrage and disapprove of the injustice that started the outrage in the first place, but here's something still gnawing at our collective consciousness. And here it is. The hypocrisy. You'll note news footage and other recorded media that the protesters and rioters are using cell phones. The Red Shovel Network show talent and staff uses cell phones and computers and other various tech in your everyday activities, and you use them in your work. Our families use tech every day, all day, for work and entertainment. I'm composing this email on a device right now. Our use of tech and thus the hypocrisy is ubiquitous. Therefore, no one, including the protesters, rioters, looters, and those that decry or support the protest and or violence is innocent. Um, he goes on, but I, I clearly it is. Yeah, the, but Brian, not a lot of fun at parties, eh, dude? Well, I, <laughs> he's right. I mean, we all have to, we all have to. He's right. I'm, I'm just thinking to, maybe, maybe being a little more concise would, 
deliver well, the message with a little more. That's kind of the pot calling the kettle black, but we all have to square these things in our head, right? I mean, uh, black kettles matter. <laughs> well, the point being, iPhones are made through very cheap labor in China, as are a lot of things. And the fact of the matter is, we don't want to pay more for a cell phone. Hey, I'll pay more. I'll pay more for American-made stuff, and I'll pay more for stuff that I feel good about. But, uh, well, there you're you go. For 60 bucks, Brian hijacked the show. Brian, we appreciate it, man. We do appreciate your support. So thanks for participating in Soul. If you'd like to participate, you know how to do it. Make a donation at mlsoulofdetroit.com through PayPal. When you get to the note button, tell us what you'd like us to say, and, uh, and away we go. Well, Brian, well, I real quickly, I, my wife is uh, hijacking my space in here. Oh. For, a, for a, a very important meeting. I don't know if you can see her there. She's probably <laughs> hiding behind the computer. She's actually oh, behind a desk. Is. So I'm going to have to bold here before Mike gets on another soliloquy for half an hour. Sean, stand up and show people not only those amazing guns, but that great T-shirt you're wearing. Those amazing guns. Well, you want to see my breasts? Is that? Is that <laughs> oh, I love that. That's, 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 uh, that's a unisex uh, ML Sold Detroit T-shirt. This, was, this was, that was without a bra, by the way. So, you know, you could make this look a little bit better. Yeah, we, we are working on unitards uh, for next week, um, uh, inspired by not, Borat. So, Sean, we will send words. one out to you by special delivery. <laughs> All right. I know you got to so, get going, too. So. Yes, okay. So we, we, we got we to gotta run through some emails we got from folks real quickly. Um, Stephen writes and says, Bourdain had Andy Rourke on an episode of Raw Craft. You might get a kick out of it. We will put the link on there. He says, there's a very touching moment at 1145. We'll put that link on our website, along with the link to some of Mark Kurlianchik's work. Uh, thanks for writing, Stephen. Of course, Andy Rourke was featured last week in Room 7609, the superlative bass player for the Smiths. Um, Daniel says, Jesus, let's get everyone out of jail. I'm sure this is Trump working to get the Detroit vote. That's a commentary on oh, Kwame, Kwame Kilpatrick yeah. and his potential release from prison. Certainly, that's something we've discussed here. Lots of Kilpatrick topics here. Check out our back catalog at mlsoulofdetroit.com. You can also find previous issues at iTunes and wherever you find quality listening. Um, Carlita Ebony Kilpatrick, that is the subject line on an email from Beth. Subject says it all. Kwame's middle name, Kwame's wife's middle name is Ebony. I wonder if that has any connection to the Ebony Foundation. You may recall the Ebony Foundation is the people who said that Kilpatrick wow. would be released soon. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Ms. Kilpatrick, as far as I can tell, does not have any connection to the Ebony Foundation, but there is a businessman with a very checkered past who is behind it. And by the uh -huh. way, they have fallen off the face of the earth, uh, yeah. the Ebony Foundation. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Charles writes to us from Raleigh, still wearing the blue hockey jersey proudly in Tar Heel country. Yeah. Love the Kwame talk. I was a cop for 26 years in the Metro Detroit area from 1990 to 2016. Saw a lot of bad guys, and he was one terrible dude. Always smiling, but you know he was scheming. All the corruption within McNamara machine was still going strong. I wonder what Peter Carmano saw in him to give him a job. It doesn't make sense. Keep up the great work. I love the show. And Kim writes us and says, Detroit, I truly think this is what Gen Y and Z kiddos are mad about, even if they can't articulate it. The divide between the haves and have-nots, especially the oligarchs, is just eye-popping. Couple this with the $4 trillion in stimulus to big biz, big tech, and Wall Street with just a measly $1,200 to qualifying hoi polloi. American billionaires got $434, excuse me, $434 billion richer during the pandemic. Kim, uh, fair mm. points. Thank you very much. 
We appreciate it when you rate us, when you give us feedback, when you subscribe, and when you share the show. We're now up to 465 star ratings and seven one star ratings. Vern Art says, good stories and my favorite people tell me I am not crazy. We'd also like to thank this week's donors. The Butchery generously <laughs> ponied up again. Thank you very much. Greg, yeah. a.k.a. Spiff, was kind enough to share a little of his loot with us. And Brian, who participated in Cami So, Brian, we really appreciate your thoughts and your contributions. Um, before we go, I want to say a word or two about a couple of longtime supporters of the show who are back in business Zot is back in business. If you're looking for a car or service, go to dealsinthed.com. They will hook you up. And Michigan Peddler, the pedal pub that in its own, uh, in, uh, in unintentional way, helped lead to the temporary demise of our show, is back up and running. That's a long story. We'll tell you about <laughs> That's it sometime. a very long story. They're back up and running. MichiganPeddler.com. Michigan, P-E-D-A-L-E-R.com. Book a ride. They've taken some safety precautions so that you can practice social distancing and enjoy this great city from a unique perspective. And when you contact any of our advertisers, please be sure to let them know that you were sent there by ML's Soul of Detroit. Sean, before you get uh, get dragged away, any any last thoughts? I would say Bon Mo's, but you're still I'm still thinking about the heat I took for fetid, uh, whatever it was. I don't know if that was heat, uh, but I do like to play on words. Fet, fetid, fetid is heat, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a it's a good show. It's always a pleasure uh, and a privilege to to share space with you, and especially Mark. And you know, thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks. It's very kind. Very. Thanks. Thanks, oh, I didn't know you were back, Matt. Sorry, you too, Matt. <laughs> a, a soft note to end it on. Anyways, we appreciate you listening. Please share the show. Please like the show. Please tell people about the show. More importantly, please come back next week. And uh, next week, tease ahead, we will be talking about auto insurance and the changes that are coming in July. We'll have somebody who can help you explain or can help explain to you how to save a lot of dough on your auto insurance. Remember, this reform is going to require you to take some action. So that's coming up next week, unless something crazy happens between now and then. What's the chances of that? (laughs) That's the year it's been. Yeah, and if something crazy happens, you know it'll be spoken about on a daily basis on the Drew and Mike podcast. Please listen, subscribe to Drew and Mike, where you'll also find a lot more Mark. There's also Charlie Duff's No BS News Hour, and of course, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob. We appreciate you supporting the Red Shovel Network. Until next time, Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? People learn that crime doesn't pay. Well, I suppose if they do learn, we'll be out of a job. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Soul of Detroit.